the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, happy Thursday to you. It is George Brockler on The George Show, 710 KNUNES. Actually, that sounds pretty good. KNUS is actually the letters, but I'm going to now try to copyright KNUNES. I think that's the feeling you have when you listen to KNUS. It's KNUNES. Uh, hey, listen, lots going on in the news today. We're going to cover it. It was a day of resignations for a couple different people on stories that we had been covering. But before I get into that, there's the, of course, six o'clock stuff we have to do. For those of you that are like, oh, my God, are you talking about the Thorpe report or you choose the news? The answer is no, uh, no. Billy is still on. I don't know if it's some sort of house arrest or how he describes it in the Thorpe household, but uh, he's not in until. Next Monday, we have Geronimo with us. And, uh, you know, G is someone that we reference in just about every show anymore to talk about. And, Geronimo, you're part of this. I'm not saying we're doing this behind your back, even though you have no idea we're doing it. Uh, For our friends at Advanced Hair, when we talk about all the options men have, one of them is to do the full G, the full Geronimo. So welcome aboard. It's, uh, It's nice to have you running the boards. Hopefully we won't make this thing too painful for you. Now, here's what we've got, folks. Again, Brand new stuff from the weather people. Never seen it before because I think when they break out that weather Ouija board, they have no dang idea who's going to put pressure on the R versus the S. They don't know who's going to guide the little thing around to tell them that today, high of 50 degrees, but there's snowflakes on the pictogram. 50 degrees with overnight snow. Tomorrow, morning snow, if you've got the chance to put the car into the garage, and that's a struggle for me, uh, tonight's the night to do it. Uh, Then 49 degrees, burning ball of fire on Saturday. Sunny is what they say. And then get this, they've now adjusted their temperatures up. We're going to be hovering around that 50-49 mark for a while. Sunday, 58 degrees. Monday, 59 degrees, and Tuesday and Wednesday, 60 and 62, you and I both know that by, I don't know, by the time we sign off tomorrow, the weather people will have adjusted that for a hurricane following, you know, Tuesday and then Wednesday, of course, will be some sort of a blizzard with lightning, even though I don't think that can actually happen at the same time. That's what they'll prognosticate. So good weather ahead of us. This weekend is a good weekend to break out the kilt if it's been hiding somewhere in your house during those winter months. It's still winter. It's just going to feel a little bit more like spring. Uh, As you know, we also like to do a little on-this-day history trivia stuff here uh, that goes on, and we get help now from one one of our uh, texter listeners, and uh, he usually finds some of the good stuff uh, right now. Although I would say, Aaron, Brazil, I don't know. Not that excited by that. Uh, Here's one. On this day in history, 1533, Henry VIII married. Now, listen, Geronimo, I know you have access to the sound there. Can you you chime in on this? Because I'd like to quiz you. All right. Uh, 
hold on here. I got to get back to it. It is uh, Henry VIII. You know, he had a whole bunch of wives. Yes, yes. On this day in 1533, he married Anne Boleyn in a secret ceremony. Which wife number was that? I, I'm going to guess it was late. It was it was number seven. Hmm. I love the fact that you're willing to jump in on this. That, of course, is absolutely wrong. But uh, <laughs> it is <laughs> it is uh, his second. His second uh. wife was Anne Boleyn. And, of course, none of them really fared all that well. Um, in 1949, on this day, the very first Emmy Awards were presented. There were only six categories. I think they have 100 now or something like that. Nominated shows were limited to those that aired in Los Angeles. In typical California fashion, we are the center of the universe. 1961, an animated film, Disney classic, I'm going to give you one other hint, Geronimo. It is the villain in the show was Nancy. Pl- no, I'm sorry. It was Cruella DeVille. Oh, that's Name a the movie. 101 Dalmatians. Dang, you nailed that, man. Yeah. You nailed that. Do you have kids that you know of? Not that I'm aware of. Buddy, the fact that you can know 101 Dalmatians tells me that that played a major role in your life or something else. I mean, if it was kids, like when you start talking about Dr. Seuss, yeah, you remember it from being a kid. You really remember it from reading Green Eggs and Ham for the hundredth time or some sort of one fish, two fish. Uh, So the fact that you know 101 Dalmatians based off of Cruella DeVille says a lot about you. That's a good thing. Uh, 1971, I was just, Geronimo, I'm not even sure you were on the planet yet. Uh, Charles Manson convicted of a series of murders that were uh, in a book called Helter Skelter, which also became a movie. Uh, If you have not read Helter Skelter, I'm telling you, you should get this. It is written by the prosecutor who prosecuted the case, a legend, a man named Vincent Bugliosi. Vincent Bugliosi, who has recently passed. This dude was a prosecutor's prosecutor. This thing absorbed him. But this book is fantastic. He'd written a couple others uh, after this. I had the honor of being able to teach a bunch of Marine Corps prosecutors out at Camp Pendleton. I don't know. It would have been, could have been 2013. God, I can't believe it's that long ago. But I think it was, I don't know why I know this. I think it was during Super Bowl week for when we got smoked by the Seahawks. Do you remember that where like the first play was we snapped the ball through the back of the end zone because let's start strong. I had a chance to go teach down for the Marine Corps. The the young captain that invited me to do this said, hey, sir, you're going to want to come early to this thing because uh, Vincent Bugliosi is going to be there. And, of course, I did. I rearranged my schedule. I got there early. Normally I show up, I don't know, half an hour before I'm supposed to present and all this. This guy was fascinating as a prosecutor and very old school. This is 2013, so we had electricity and stuff like that. This guy had nothing but legal pads, not a single bit of technology. I'm a PowerPoint guy. I mean, my pre- if you watch that, the YouTubeable opening statement from Aurora Theater, you can see I use PowerPoint, and I think I do an okay job with it. In fact, so much so that I teach it every year at DU, including right now in this semester. I'll teach it this Friday after, after the radio. So here I am, I show up, I'm the younger buck with all the technology and stuff, and I'm anxious to hear Vincent Bugliosi, and he just has all of these yellow legal pads. I don't know how fresh they are, I don't know if these are ongoing notes that he keeps on different subjects, but he just kept going back to these different 
yellow pads talking about trial work. And I sat there, and by the end of this, and I never feel this way. Folks, I have a great deal of hubris when it comes to things like prosecution, the law, presentation. I realize I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but when it comes to telling a story, I feel like I can hold my own. I'm never, ever nervous after going somebody else, after going after somebody else. In fact, on the contrary, I like to go after other people so that they can set the bar medium or low. This guy, when he got done talking, I was like, I don't want to go anymore. Like I want to, I have a tummy ache. I want to, I want to go somewhere else because this dude just oozed credibility. And I couldn't tell if these young captains, mostly captains in the Marine Corps could appreciate the things he was saying because they're at their place in their career where, um, they don't know yet, right? Like you haven't been in court enough to really understand some, appreciate some of the tips this guy was given. And, you know, I had already done, I'd already been through Columbine. I'd already been through whatever my role in Kobe Bryant was going to be. I'd already been through a, um, a bunch of other big crimes. Um, hell, I'd already inherited Aurora Theater, although we wouldn't we wouldn't try it for a couple years. And I sat there listening to this guy thinking, dang, this guy has lived it. Well, this book, Helter Skelter, afterwards, I said, and by the way, I was it was nice. I got a picture with Vincent Bugliosi and the young captain that put us together. He gave me an autographed copy of his book, of his new book that he had. And it was something about the sea, something or other. I haven't read it yet. In fact, I just had found it. I was going through a box the other day, found it. And um, this guy has this book, Helter Skelter. Folks, it survives the test of time. All right. So what I did was because I can't read for leisure anymore. I'm reading for the job for this. I'm reading for other things. I'm reading for the law. I don't have the ability and frankly, the will to read for leisure. So this book is also on audible. That's the way I do most of my regular reading consumption and it's worth it. I'm telling you, go out there and get Helter Skelter. This is a book that's worth it. When you look at the crime and how it unfolded and remember, um, Charles Manson never pulls a trigger, never plunges a knife. That's not at all what happens with Helter Skelter. But he is the mastermind and the leader behind this. Now, there's a movie out there uh, that was a Quentin Tarantino movie. I think it was Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. Also, by the way, a great movie. Um, Quentin Tarantino does nice work. But it's very revisionist in its history, and it has this particular event in it. The murder, uh, I think it was leading up to this, was La Bianca Tate murders is how they describe this. And there was, um, oh, what's her name? Something Tate, the, the very attractive young lady who lived with um, uh, Roman Polanski. Was it Roman Polanski? Gosh dang it. I'm going to remember this. But they do some revisionist history on the story. It is fascinating. So this was a huge diversion off of the fact that on this day in 1971, a jury convicted Charles Manson in a prosecution by a real honest-to-God prosecutor named Vincent Bugliosi. Um, those are some big ones from the day, man. That's a good one. That same day, somewhere else on the planet, there was a, a coup in Uganda under someone named Idi Amin. If you're below a certain age, you don't know who the heck Idi Amin is. If you're above that that line, that I guess that age demarcation, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Vicious, brutal leader out there in Africa took over Uganda on this day in 1971. Um, and then in, in, this is going to speak to Geronimo. 
because, by the way, Geronimo Arpaio, is that Dutch-Irish? What is that? Italian. Yeah, I thought so. So on this day in 1817, this will speak to you because in our American stereotypical sort of ethnocentric thing, we feel like anybody that has heritage with a certain country understands, appreciates, and frankly knows all of the things that are important to that country. So in 1817, Giacchino Rossini's opera La Cenerentola, which is actually Cinderella, premiered in Rome. So congratulations, G. I know you take a great deal of pride in that. Yeah. And the uh, the very first Winter Olympics on this day in 1924 opened in France. I would try to pronounce the city, but it has an X in it. And because I skipped that day in the French class I never took in high school, I have no idea how to say that. Um, You know, folks, by the way, we're up on the YouTubes. I don't know if Mark knows that because I was woefully behind in clicking on that link. Here's a, it was Sharon Tate. Thank you, texter Sharon Tate for the Tate LaBianca murders. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, This is our friend Alexa. I remember reading Helter Skelter. Charles Manson was a very scary guy. He was, but this dude, where else do we see throughout history these people pop up that we cannot explain why people follow them? I mean, this guy had no real skill set, and yet these people looked at him and believed in him as if he was Jesus. I mean, it, it was crazy. Thank you on the Sharon Tate. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. I will. This was from yesterday. Man, how are we getting texts that are just popping up today from yesterday? And then someone else hitting us with a, an update. And you're right, texter. Um, Mike Lynch, who w- was the minority leader up until the close of business yesterday, resigned his position. We'll talk a little bit about that. This is interesting. Um, And then there was another resignation that we'll talk about as well, and that is the Arizona State GOP chair, 10 months after being recorded by Kari Lake, uh, uh, audio releases, and she calls for his resignation saying he's corrupt. I don't know how you could ever survive something on that recording, but uh, he's gone. He also put out a statement. We'll cover all that stuff as we continue to move through the morning as well. I'm going to do this to you though folks to start us off to get us a little warmed up and i never do this because the six o'clock hour is usually banter time followed by the thorpe report and you choose the news now geronimo's up on the news no doubt about it but he does not subject himself as billy does to the uh earlier morning hours where he's going through just clawing through all the information out there to cull together some and you'll admit this there are some things in the you choose the news segment you, you don't even believe are real they're from the dark web somewhere and i don't think geronimo has the password to that part of the dark web but billy does because he's actually the gatekeeper so what i want to do in this hour though is remind you that tonight i mean there's a lot of stuff going on today in terms of the news some things i have to do recording wise but at the end of the day i get to go up to the fort lumpton rec center Now, you may think, oh, I want to go see this thing. I want to go participate. It's too late. It's a Women of Weld event. And if you know anything about the Women of Weld, once they launch an event, it sells out pretty quickly. It sells out so quickly that I talked to some candidates who are supposed to be part of this, and they got in too late to get their staffers there. And if you know anything about the game of politics, when you travel out to these forums and lunches and breakfasts and stuff, you always like to have at least one, but sometimes more than that, people 
it helps you with the coordination, some of the organization, getting things out, getting you know information out. Maybe you're getting signatures. It, it, it kind of doesn't matter what it is. You'd love to have more than just you, the candidate. That's never been true for me. <laughs> I mean, it's rarely been true. Maybe when I ran for AG, I had someone. I've always just been that guy. But these campaigns for Congress that we're going to talk about up at the Women of Weld event at the Fort Lupton Rec Center, these are congressional races. And so most of these folks have the means and the support to provide more than one staff member. And I talked with one yesterday who said, hey, we just got in too late. I had to beg to get one person in. I can't bring this person and that person. Some people have cameras, you know, photographers and stuff that that travel with them to take pictures. No such joy for some of these folks because it's sold out. But what's going to happen is about 530, and I think there's a dinner up there too. I'm kind of counting on it just based on my need for calories. Uh, at 5.30, they're going to have a dinner. The candidates will all go back. We'll talk about some rules. And then starting at around 6-ish, o'clock-ish, two superstars in the media, one Kelly Maher, a conservative, who you really only ever see as the token on Nine News when they talk politics, uh, but she's fantastic, and Jesse Paul, who's an investigative reporter for the Colorado Sun. They will conduct a forum, a structured forum, based on time and certain questions of the candidates for CD8. That's the current seat being held by Dr. Caraveo. If you'll recall, two years ago, Barb Kirkmeyer woulda, coulda, shoulda won that race, but she didn't because a libertarian candidate jumped in and scooped up the arguably conservative votes that would have gone to Barb and she ended up losing by a very narrow margin. So, in my opinion, if the Republicans can do the things that Republicans can do in that in that district, and we don't have another libertarian candidate step up to say, I want to sink our battleship in the name of principle. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I want the Democrat to be in power over principle. If we don't have that then Caraveo is going to be a one-and-done congresswoman, and that would be great for America, great for Colorado, for a lot of reasons, mostly because we want to fill that D spot with an R. That being the case, the people at this forum, with this Jesse Kelly monitored, or um, that's the right word, forum, uh, moderated, sorry, they're going to be helping you to pick who that next representative of Congress is. That's a big deal. After that one ends, and it'll be shorter because I think there's only three, maybe four candidates, then they'll take a small break. People will get their drink on, I presume, and then we'll show up for the circus. And the circus is going to be 10 candidates for CD4. That's the seat being vacated by Ken Buck. And those 10 candidates, I could probably find all 10 of their names if I needed to and read them to you, but they include names that you've heard before because these folks have been on the show before. People like Lauren Boebert, like Jerry Sonnenberg, like the aforementioned Mike Lynch, like, uh, oh, I don't know, someone named Deb Flora. I don't know if you've ever heard of her on 710. She's in that race. And here's now, now that I've gone down the road and listed four, somebody's going to want to punch me in the face because they're like, you didn't say my. It's just because I'm just going through the, the names that are right in the front of my mind. Please forgive me. But there's, a, there's 10 people running for this thing. Oh, Peter Yu, I think, is part of this group. I know I'm going to be leaving. So, oh, oh, Richard Holtorf, who is also in studio. Stefan hooked us up with him. So you can see this one. These are all characters, folks, and I don't mean that in a, a funny way. I mean characters like they have personalities, they have confidence, they have great accomplishments. 
and we've got to figure out a way to conduct this forum in a certain amount of time in a way that reveals information that could be decisive for voters about how to cast their vote for the upcoming primary that will be in June. Now, there will be an assembly before that, and usually the assembly, this is my opinion on the assemblies, they should always take place within the jurisdiction that the office is. And that includes whether it's, you know, representative, Senate, DA, Congress, doesn't matter. Well, what happens a lot is these jurisdictions co-locate these assemblies with the state assembly, which is now all the way down in Pueblo. And so to participate in the CD8 nominating process, you'd have to get in your, or four, you might have to get in your car and drive down to Pueblo to be part of this. Not sure yet. I don't know where those are going to be, but just a thought. So here's where I need your help. There's a long setup to ask for your help. What the hell do I ask these people? I mean, what what are the questions that you would want to ask a would-be congressional candidate running for a Republican nomination? Because the reality is these people, two of these people in these two forums tonight, hosted by the women of Weld, are going to be members of Congress this time next year. That's a big deal. Given everything we have to deal with, that's a big deal. And so I'd love to know what your thoughts are on what questions to ask these people. I I mean, I can think of some, but I got to know, and I'm running out of time. Someone texted in, "I I live in CD8. I bet you those libertarian voters were Republicans who did not like Barb Kirkmeyer so stupid. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I really have never understood the idea of an 80% uh, what I view to be, and this isn't me, I'm a Barb Kirkmeyer fan, if uh, if, I'm an, if that person's an 80% candidate for me, like I agree with 80% of them, uh, I'd rather see them lose. I'd rather vote for someone else so that the person I'm opposed to 80% of the time gets the spot. I agree with you, Texture. That, that's the kind of thing that's going on in politics right now. What questions? You can call in at 303-696-1971. We can have this conversation. Or you can text in. What questions do you want to ask of these candidates who want to go to Congress? And as you know, many of these congressional seats then become filled with people who start to eye the next seat over. Is it governor? Is it Senate? Is it some cabinet position? So these are this is no small deal. 435 members of the House of Representatives at the U.S. level apportioned according to population by Article 1 of the Constitution, and here we are, we're in the thick of it. And this guy that you're listening to right here somehow, somehow falls his way into a position to ask questions of these people that we're going to be talking about over the next couple few years. Did they solve the border crisis? What are they doing about the investigations related to the either the current president or his son, or maybe the next president? What are these folks doing about fentanyl? What are these folks doing about uh, crime if they can do anything at the national level? What about the economy? How about Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan? I mean, these are people that are going to be casting votes that could change the direction of the country. Now, admittedly, that really hasn't happened much lately. (laughs) when, When people were like, well, why wouldn't you want to throw your hat in the ring for CD4? I'm like, one, there's no more room in the ring. There's, it's just filled. It's filled with people. But two, I don't want to leave. I got still got two boys under the roof. I'm not anxious to leave them until they're out of the house. And then uh, three, I've asked people this. I did it yesterday. 
What's the last best thing the Congress did? And it's a struggle, man. You'll get people think about, some folks on the right will say, well, we got rid of that Kevin McCarthy. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Kevin, got it. Now what? What else have we done? You know, what have we done for America? And uh, nobody has a good answer. So maybe these are the folks that are going to do it. But I need your help to try to vet them. Oh, <laughs> of course, I get some of the list. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. every candidate, this is a, a friend from the Women of Weld. Every candidate had one staffer ticket, no matter when they got in. There will be a live stream. Oh, this is cool. Live stream on Facebook, Women of Weld. The doors open at 5 p.m. It starts at 6 p.m. sharp. Is there a dinner texture? Because otherwise i got to pick something up on the way. But I'm really anxious for you guys to provide some food if you can. Just kidding. Here are some of the names I left out. Ted, Har- Of course, Ted Harvey, State Senator Ted Harvey from Douglas County. Trent Lisi, Justin Schreiber, who called into the show and suggested because I hired someone years ago who's now prosecuting him, maybe I'm disqualified from being a moderator. Peter Yu, Richard Holtorf, the others. I mean, it's jam-packed. There was one woman who I think was going to be on the stage, and she dropped out or something like that. And I don't know her name, and my guess is you'll never have heard it either. Because when I read it, I was like, I didn't know who that was at the time. I don't think she's in this thing anymore. And now that I've said it the way I have, if she shows up, I'm going to be awfully embarrassed. A lot of egg on my face over that. Uh, so text us. You can do it off of the app. You can email us, although that's less available to me for a lot of the ways I have things set up here, a lot of reasons. But you can text us in and get us some of your thoughts on what questions to ask them. I'd love to explore that with you. I don't think I'm the smartest guy in the room. I am anxious, though, to try to do a good job for these people who are likely to get, outside of lightning round questions, maybe six substantive questions. Because if you think about it, 10 people, if you give 10 people a minute or two minutes to answer each question, that's 10 or 20 minutes gone out of an hour, hour and a half at most. And I don't think we can go that long, but maybe it's an hour and a half uh, moderated event. Well, that's just not that much, right? That's just not that much. So are there more than six issues? What are they? 303-696-1971. Here's a texter that says, I want to promise that whomever goes to Congress will not act like a high schooler out of Mean Girls. <laughs> that feels like a lightning round question. And folks, there will be a lightning round. Those are the ones where you say, hey, show of hands or yes or no, that kind of thing. I li- I love those. E- even though I know that there's explanation for this, I-, I love those as a vehicle to get other conversations, right? So for instance, if you were to ask a question like um, yes or no, or by a show of hands, who would support a federal abortion ban now, i don't even know if that's a question we're going to ask i don't i'm not making those decisions in a vacuum i get to do this thing with the great ernest lunning who's a fantastic reporter longtime political reporter um so i don't get to make those decisions in a vacuum but that's a pretty obvious one right like who here would support it because they might actually vote on it i love those because people always want to answer an addition well it would depend on that no just who would support the federal abortion ban? And then you can use whatever time you give them afterwards to extrapolate on that. So I'm interested in you. What are the topics that should be covered for Congress? What do you expect out of your congressperson? And it could be CD8. It could be CD4. 
if you had specific individual questions for people, like, I want to ask Mike Lynch about that thing you talked about on the radio, that's okay. But, you know, the forum, especially with this many people, not set up for a lot of that. There could be a little of that, but not much of that, especially when you're trying to get people nailed down on policy so that people can understand the differences. Honestly, the lamestream media will be good for highlighting all of those other differences between them in terms of records, both criminal and professional uh, and other things like that. But I'm happy to explore those. But text in your questions. We'll do this throughout the show. What questions do you want asked of the people vying to be representatives from CD8 and CD4? You can do that off of the app for sure. You can text us there or you can call us. You can email us. You can do the whole thing. Now, here's what I want to do. I don't want to just go right into another topic because we have some sound. We have some things set up. We covered a couple stories yesterday. There have been some developments on them. I'd like to go through them with you and get some of your feedback, but I need you to stick around. And to do that, you just keep the radio. If you're listening on the radio, impressive. Keep the radio tuned. Otherwise, keep that uh, keep that phone on. You're talking to George Brockler right here on The George Show, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS, little smashing pumpkins on The George Show. Um, I had asked the question, what should these congressional candidates be asked tonight? Um, and you can call in at 303-696-1971. I'd love to have that discussion. Also send the text in, and we'll start with our callers. Frank, you're on 710. Frank, what do you think? I've got the perfect answer for you. Answer? How about the perfect question? It's going to be the perfect question, okay, but here the we go, here question we go. is also the answer. But, oh, I got it. But uh, first, I have no doubt that you are the perfect host for this yeah. thing. All you got to do is limit them each to one rabbit trail to go down. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the answer to your question is going to be a double uh, bonus for you. The question is based on a book. Are you familiar with an author named Napoleon Hill? Oh, that name sounds so familiar, but I've read nothing Think from Napoleon. Think and go grow rich. Mm. An That's old book. True. It's an old financial and success book written back in the 30s or 40s. But he was a super author that Andrew Carnegie commissioned him to interview about 500 titans of the time to uh, what was their success. And he wrote this book. It's been a uh, number one bestseller for many, many years. Yeah. It needs more than one reading. It's also available on audio for you. But he wrote another book at that time, and this is the answer to your question. Oh, okay. It's called Outwitting the Devil. And so it would be turned, in your case, into a question, how do you plan to outwit the devil? In other words, the Democrats. What are your plans to outwit him mm, in the coming time. term? And it, this book is fascinating because it was put on hold for 30 years because the topic was so touchy that back at that time they didn't even want to let it out but it got put wow. out and it's now in book form and it's uh, also an audio tape by napoleon hill outwitting the devil and it has some interesting questions to be posed especially for a uh, prosecutor such as you that sounds great. When What answers are you looking for? Like, if you're sitting up there, Frank, and you get asked that question, what are the kinds of things you're looking for these candidates to tell you? Well, the, the super alert and smart ones are already listening to this program this morning, so maybe they'll get the book and try to read it, listen to it. But you've got to uh, 
ask them, what are their tactics going to be for uh, opposing these people who are making a living out of it? They think at night and day it's their religion. And uh, the Republican conservative group has other things going on. And so this guy, his techniques and tactics in this book are fascinating to me because I'd not heard them before. And uh, I think you'll find them the same. But people have to think proactively, like Stephen Covey says in his book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, to be proactive. And if we don't start doing that as conservatives, we're not going to see many wins. We need to start winning as one of the you, candidates. In the, Frank, in I think the that's a great question. Like, how are we going to get in the end zone? Is there room in that analysis for a compromise? And I say that because it's become a bit of a dirty word, especially Congress. with folks from a certain part of our party. It's like, no, 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 no compromise. Principle, principle, principle. And it's like, yeah, there are principles, but some of these things are not principles. They're policy. And can you, is there I, I any room for compromise? I think Congress was created for compromise, and ideally, that would be the best way. However, when you have one side that has abandoned compromise and gone full tilt warfare against their opponents uh, to the words like Obama spoke, our enemies, things like that, it's sad, but you have to put up a good offense, uh, you know, and, and that's what we need to do. We've been constantly playing defense. We need to do offense. And if you do offense to the right way, then it doesn't leave. It puts them on the defensive and they ha- they're on the their back heel. And that's a good place to keep them because they, they are already desperate and trying crazy things. But you have to put, point out the contrast. Well, Frank, I think that's good. I think that's a good, that might be one of those good early questions we consider asking. Um, I think the obvious ones, too, would start with something like that, like what's your approach to how you're going to do this job? How are you going to get into the end zone for the Well, they say the, the, devil's, the devil's in the details, so you could <laughs> a- allow them to expand on that question. How do you plan to outwit this devil, and what details do you plan to use to do that? Yeah, Frank, thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. Good to hear from you. Frank's line is open, 303-696-1971. I also think that there are some obvious things that are out there. I mean, you're going to give each of these people, we, we've limited them to like 30 seconds for an introduction. And I know that I've heard back-channel stuff where there's some, you know, hand-wringing over that. Like, that's just not enough time for me to talk about me. I'll be honest with you folks, having been a candidate a number of times now, the background piece does matter. But you talking about you ain't that exciting for people listening. They really do care about the things that you stand for and what what you want to do. Now, if those things are at odds with some of the things you've done in your background, well, then that might be fodder for the conversation, too. But 30 seconds, I mean, it should be enough to, to get that out and get people excited about wanting to go to your website or whatever. Then there's going to be the obvious questions about things. And I'm not giving away the farm here. Things related to something like what's your first priority, you know, when you get in a stuff like that. Those are the obvious ones. Um, But the other questions, the substantive ones, there's just only so many things that you can ask. And what I really want to try to avoid, and in talking with Ernest, I think he does too, is not just the filibuster thing, which I'm less worried about because we have these time limits. I don't think we got set up by the women of Weld with a kill switch, though, off the microphone. And the reason for that is... Ten people are probably sharing four or five microphones. So it's just it's not built for success that way. But uh, 
I just don't want platitudes. You know what I mean? Like if you listen to any debate, the presidential one included, doesn't matter the party. This isn't a partisan thing. Politicians love to not answer the question. They love to give platitudes. One of the things that I tried to do when I was a candidate, and I say tried because you can't be 100%, is when someone would ask a yes or no question, I always tried to lead with the answer and then the explanation. No and here's why, or yes and here's why. I always got good feedback on that from the people that attended. Like, I really appreciated you answering the question. Because you and I both know when you sit and listen to these debates and these forums, you can hear when someone is not answering the question, especially when it lends itself to the obvious yes or no. And so when you hear someone, when you ask someone, hey, would you support, uh, I'm using the same example that we used before, would you support a congressionally passed, a federal ban on abortion? You get people talking about, well, I can't believe that this, and I'm so happy that Trump appointed these judges, and then we overturned Roe versus Wade. None of that is the answer. None of it is the answer. What I'd love to hear, but I can't make these folks do it, what I'd love to hear is, no, I wouldn't, and here's why. Or yes, and let me tell you why. That, to me, is the kind of thing that listeners are like, okay, I got it. I get their position. There are some people at the end of the answer, you're like, was that a yes-ish? A no, kind of. So I'd love to get to questions that can help us get to that. Now, you cut loose the prosecutor in me. I will ask the kind of leading questions of candidates where we will get to the answer. It just won't be in the time limits that the women of Weld want, but we will get to an answer, folks. (laughs) So I need your help. 303-696-1971. Help me craft these questions uh, for these folks. Uh, Let's take a look here at the text that have come in, too. Here's another Ask them if Congress, if in Congress, are they going to act like Matt Gates and just cause problems? Well, I'm not that, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure that I'd ask it in that way, but do you know what a good question is? Who is it in the House of Representatives right now that you look up to as a leader? Or who do you look up to as a model for how you'd like to be a kind? In fact, I'm going to write that one down. Thank you, Texter. It's really your question. I'm just changing the words of it. Which role model? Because you're going to hear some people say, oh, MTG. Or some are going to say, hell, Lauren Boebert could say, I look to me. I'm my own. Th- I mean, I could see that, too. You could also have people say Jim Jordan. or And, and when you hear that, you begin to get a sense of, okay, I see which part of the party they fall into. You know, Ken, I think, is or was one of the original members of the Freedom Caucus. He may still be a member. I can't remember. You might ask questions like that. Are you a member of the Freedom Caucus? I think Lauren Boebert is. Uh, Things like that. But anything to try to get an understanding of who is it that they look out there in Congress and say, I want to be like Mike or whatever. And then maybe the follow-up question is, you have 30 seconds to tell us why. Why that person? I like Elise Stefanik. I love the way she handled herself and took on those presidents. That Okay, great. But that just gives you a sense of who that person is. Texter, nice job. Good question right there. Uh, another text, and this is a reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a reference to Vincent Bugliosi, prosecutor for Helter Skelter, which, as you know from the first part of the show, it is the, uh, can it be already, the 53rd anniversary of the conviction of Charles Manson for the LaBianca Tate murders. It says, Bugliosi also wrote a book on the OJ trial. You know what? That's true. He wrote that book that took it apart that basically said this thing was mishandled <laughs> from the word jump. 
and that's from the L.A. County DA's office that he was in when he tried Charles Manson. So, I mean, this is a guy who's in a position of no, you're, uh, to know you're absolutely right about that. Listen, we keep talking our way out of this uh, time thing. I want to get to this DeWitt thing. I'm not sure I'm going to have time after this break to do it. So we'll definitely start the 7 o'clock hour with that. Hell, we might even play a little bit of sound and start a conversation about that and some other resignations that have taken place. But keep those text questions coming in. They are helpful. My name is George. This is my show, The George Show. at 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 Canyons. Hey, Geronimo, talk me down in that last minute, that uh, 56. Just make sure I know. Thanks. Uh, 303-696-1971 is the number. We've got some text questions coming in. I want to get to those before we end this uh, segment. Uh, Here's a good one from our friend Joan. What is your strongest trait that would make you a good congressman looking for able to work together and stand solid? Here's another... uh, Something on the Bobcat. Oh, BLM approves new Eastern. Eh, that's not our topic right now. Role model question is very good. Here's one. Abortion. The right has screeched for years. It must be left to the states. Well, you got what you wanted, but the outcome isn't what you wanted. So now there must be a federal ban on abortion. Well, which is it? Rank hypocrisy. Ask that question, please, Suzanne. I do think that's an important question. If we're going to be a party of principle, what's the principle? Is the principle that this was a matter to be resolved by the states? Or is the principle no abortion at all times or whatever it is, no matter how we get there? I'm not the latter. I'm definitely the former. Has everyone's skeletons or life infractions been revealed? Or will they reveal tonight all of their arrests, scuffles with the law, number of times and reasons they were sent to the principal's office, kindergarten, graduation, blah, 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 blah. Uh, each part of it. I think there's interesting questions about that. I do think that um, arrests, criminal conduct, I think that stuff is relevant. We've seen it play out this week in a very high-profile way with our own General Assembly. But some of this stuff, like what you don't want to devolve into with these is the rumor mill stuff, or I heard that you blank, or you, I mean, unless the person actually has two or three families on the side, That's the kind of rumor stuff you don't want to get into. But if it's something documented, if it's something public, a statement you made, something like that, that feels very different to me. That feels like that that is fodder for sure. Here's another. Ask why Congress keeps passing CR bills. Wasn't the CR supposed to be only in emergencies? You know what? I'm writing that one down, too. You guys have some great ones. Thank you, G. Um, Why all the CR bills? Why can't we pass a damn budget? Why can't these folks, I mean, you're in the majority, albeit by a handful of votes, but why can't we pass a budget, at least send it over to the Senate for them to weigh in on instead of this constant last minute, uh uh-oh, we're about to turn the lights off everybody who wants to fork over another 90 days of bills or money to pay bills. That's another great question. You guys have done a really good job here, but I want to leave this open to you throughout the show. We have three more hours together. We're going to talk about other things, but as you come up with these questions, you call in at 303-696-1971 or text in. You're helping me do my job. I uh, I should be more prepared than this, but I actually like to rely upon the listeners. Uh, here's another one. You have to ask a border sanctuary city question. Gee, how much time? Well, we'll stick around. We're going to cover some Arizona resignations, some Colorado resignations. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.